Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I know you are here wanting to change and rewrite your story. You are desiring to step into the impact that you know you were here to create. I am here to guide you with the proven tools and strategies used by myself and our speakers to support you in taking radical responsibility in your life and learning how to own your choices to change your story. My name is Marsha Van Weinsberg. I am a storytelling business coach, master NLP trainer, speaker, podcaster, and seven times published author. My clients have found freedom and purpose from overcoming their shame stories and learning how to share them with the world. I am so grateful you are here. Let's get started. Welcome back to the show. Today, I have a very special treat. We are speaking with podcast host and multimedia producer, Kimmy Culp. Kimmy is the host of All the Wiser, a podcast about finding hope and possibility on the other side of pain. She is a multimedia producer devoted to bringing original ideas and concepts to life online and on screen. Her unique specialty is identifying and developing the stories with soul. Her experience includes work as a producer for NBC, ABC, and The Oprah Winfrey Show. She has covered dramatic stories of survival, the realities of life when facing death, and lessons on loss and love from people who have had very firsthand experience. This is such a beautiful episode because Kimmy has so much background when it comes to seeing people share stories firsthand, being open, vulnerable, standing in that space of knowing your story can have power and impact with someone else. And in this episode, she shares her story, her personal story, and this piece on removing shame and secrecy from mental health. Kimmy shares her journey of learning her diagnosis of being bipolar at 19 and then hiding it for over two decades while she did the work that she did. And because it was a very different time, she shared the turning points in this episode, how she was in a space to learn how to share her story, what that vulnerability experience was like, and how it led her to so much purpose service, servant leadership, and how stepping outside of ourselves and our stories can help us to see how far our stories can reach and how many people they can help support, serve, and impact. This is just a beautiful story, an example of the ripple effect of what happens when we learn how to share our stories from a space of service. This is an absolutely beautiful episode, and I'm so grateful that our paths have connected Again, go into the show notes, but Kimmy's podcast is called All the Wiser, and I have listened to it a few of the episodes, and they're incredible, honestly. So thank you so much for being here. You're going to love this episode. Welcome to the show today, Kimmy. It is wonderful to meet you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we've already been chatting before we started, and I just want to start with a brief synopsis of who you are today and what you're doing, because there's just so much about what you're doing that I love the work that you're doing. And I know that there's so many stories that led up to the work that you do now, but just tell everyone who you are today and what you do. Yes. my I have a podcast like you. The name of my podcast is All the Wiser. 
And we tell stories of hope and possibility on the other side of pain. And while these stories, many of them uh, will break your heart, they're also deeply inspiring and uplifting and just so rich with wisdom. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm producing and hosting the podcast. I'm writing and speaking about mental health, and I am a mom to three kids. Mm, beautiful. Now, how long have you been doing your podcast for? It's been four years um, that we've been publishing the podcast, and we started about five years ago. So five years ago. Wonderful. And so I, I mean, I've actually listened to a couple of your episodes and I'll make sure everything's in the show notes. I would strongly encourage anyone to listen to it because there's some pretty powerful stories in, in the conversations that you're having. Yeah. You know, we've had such a wide range of stories. Um, you know, everything from Edith Eager, who's you know, a 94-year-old Holocaust survivor, mm -hmm. um, you know, Amy Purdy, who's a, you know, double amputee and has built this just beautiful, vibrant life as an athlete and fashion designer. Um, we interviewed Sue Klebold, who was the mother of Dylan Klebold, one of the two shooters at Columbine High School. Um, so it's really about the lessons that they have learned through their own adversity, their own pain and suffering, and where they found hope, where they found possibility in the path forward. Yeah. First off, um, I read Sue Klebold's book and it like blew me away. I just was what a what a story and such a powerful thing. She has a TED talk too that I've I've watched. Does. You know what? It was fascinating because people, as you know, there's certain episodes or interviews that people really have a big response to. And there was just this overwhelming response to hers with deep, I think, curiosity, deep empathy. Because um, in a sense, she wasn't allowed to grieve publicly. Um, and yeah, I found her to be fascinating and really smart. Hmm. I what a that's that's amazing. So as you are doing this podcast and you are really sharing like lessons of hope and possibility, your story has led you into the work that you're doing and the work that you're doing now. And one of the things you shared um is is that you went through a um diagnosis around 19, was it around 19. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. can you share a little bit of that with us? We won't stay here forever. I just really want to tie in a little piece here. Sure, of course. Um, so when I was 19, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. And at the time, there's really no other language for it, except that I felt like I was going crazy. And I had, and I frankly also thought um, I had a lot of uncertainty around the rest of my life, but I I felt like I'm I, I didn't know what my future held. Maybe it was I was going to be in mental hospitals. Maybe I, you know, wasn't going to be able to function um, at a level that would allow me, you know, to have a meaningful and rich life. So I, you know, was now in hindsight in a manic or hypomania phase. So I was functioning at a really high level. I had lost a bunch of weight. I was suddenly running, you know, seven miles a day. And I crashed and burned um, and went into a deep 
deep depression, and I was diagnosed with a mental illness that felt very big and very scary at the time. Yeah. And so this was at 19 when you were diagnosed. Did you, if you could look back at your younger years, did you see that pattern of like, or was this something that just started to show itself around 19? Yes, I can. There's certainly pieces looking back. I think um, my range of emotions and how deep that was and uh, to some extent the polarity in it looking back. But, you know, there weren't huge red flags enough to piece together looking back. But, you know, at the time there wasn't anything I think that was you know, causing my family much alarm other than, you know, we have a teenager on our hands. <laughs> I can relate. I can relate. And I've seen, I have seen this. The reason I asked that is I have seen it um, very much firsthand and it is, it's hard to watch, like it's hard to watch or understand sometimes the roller coaster, the up and downs and how far extreme the two emotions can go. So as you're taking in that information at 19, What are some of your very first thoughts? You know, I remember sitting with a doctor and really processing everything that was happening to me that semester. I dropped out of all my classes and um, my parents came out, which was incredible. Mm -hmm. Such a gift to me. But he was sort of explaining a list of things to look out for behaviors like, you know, when you're, you know, on your way up to mania or um, more, the more manic side of the illness. And he started listing off all these things, a tendency to be charismatic, to be creative, like to be working, you know, really to have these focused projects. And I'm thinking, wait a second, these are things I actually like about myself. These are things that are part of my, I have identified with in a positive way. And now they're like bullet points of a mental illness. So I think teasing out with any diagnosis, especially a mental health one, what is me? What is the diagnosis was really complicated. And at that time, you know, even when I shared on the podcast four years ago, we weren't in the place we are today talking openly about mental health. No. So certainly in, you know, the mid nineties, it, there was a lot of secrecy because I was ashamed and I thought other people would think what I was thinking, which is, you know, she's going to be unhinged, unreliable, you know, all of unpredictable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was hiding at the same time. Thank you for sharing that because I, yes, I mean, I still think that we have a long ways to go, but compared to the nineties, good Lord, we did not talk anything. Hell no. There was nothing talking about mental health at that time. And I would even go as far as saying anything personal or vulnerable we were talking about was frowned upon. Anything that looked like you were struggling was frowned upon. It was meant to be that you are, you know, you're strong and you don't show those parts of yourself because that's weak. So I, I thank you for sharing that because I just wanted to put that into context of, you know, you shared that you felt a lot of shame at that time. And that's also just a mix of all of the messages that were coming at that time as well. Mm-hmm. And the 
idea that if anyone knew, I couldn't, and I still can't control how they, you know, digest that information, what they think about that information, how they may think about me differently. And, you know, now that I have shared, the sharing itself is such a massive exhale and the weight I think that is lifted off you emotionally um, is just beyond words. Um, Really, really extraordinary in that way. But you also have to release control of, I can't control how this is going to land with some people, you know? No, I... 100% 100% I feel you and I and I get that because it is it's hard and it's uncomfortable and it you feel very exposed when you when you put yes. yourself in the space of sharing and we all know that you know it's we can get 100 replies that are you know of those 199 are encouraging and then you get the one and yes. it's like oh that stings but yeah. we've got 99 other incredible ones people are going thank you for sharing yeah. but those other ones always exist right they're they're yes. always there yeah. yeah. We can't do anything about them. So as you went, there's a span of time as you're sharing this that you went for almost 24 years before you openly shared this story. Correct. Yep. Okay. So, and you didn't just have what I would consider normal jobs in those 24 years. Right? <laughs> and we just, for a second, shine a spotlight on that. You did not have, you had jobs that put you into very unique situations and Correct. experiences. So share a little bit about that time. Yeah. So all of that creativity and drive was put to very hard work for two day, for two decades. So I worked in television and film mm-hmm. and I started in news working for Good Morning America and then Today Show and went on to work for Oprah. What those jobs entail is insane hours, <laughs> hopping on planes literally all over the world um and you know dive bombing into just really i mean you know there is a headline happening on the world that everybody is watching on you know their television is in front of the magazines and you're there witnessing it um so whether that's you know hurricane katrina when everyone else is evacuated and you're like literally flying in um and also really interesting opportunities to, you know, go to the White House and to, you know, interview really fascinating peoples. But it's a pretty relentless pace and lifestyle. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity. And I love telling stories. And to be able to do that in such a resourced way with such a large audience was really fulfilling, but there was certainly a cost to my mental health. And again, on the outside, like this producer and holding it all together and then, you know, going up to my hotel room and, you know, bawling, crying and waking up in the middle of the night, like that's a lot of work hiding and then trying to shine. Thank you so much for sharing that because I think that's a big piece of what we see on the outside from someone is not necessarily, you know, just like in social media, what we see in the snippet is not the full picture. It's like a, it's a snapshot. And then to the amount of energy, physical, mental, emotional, to hold it together, to do this intensity over here and then go back to the hotel room. And it's like, I'm just, I'm done. 
it's that that's a lot of energy that it takes to hide and keep that area of your life um private from everyone else Mm -hmm. right so we would yeah we would be i would you know be at a film premiere that you know is you get all dressed up and you have your hair done and you're there and you're um and then yeah you go back to the hotel and i'm like go to the bar and like my eyes are watering and I'm like having my third glass of Sauve Blanc to just numb it all down. And the juxtaposition of those two things, right? What people saw on the outside versus what I was experiencing as a human at times were very much at odds. Mm -hmm. No. And that's, like I said, that takes a lot of energy and a lot of like almost this um, being this tug of war that's happening right inside of ourselves. And that's that piece that sometimes um, integrity wise, it's like we're, we're fighting within ourselves more than anything, anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And so as you walked that path and you did that, were there ever times when you were in any of your jobs where you were watching somebody like share a difficult story and be honest and, you know, share those parts of themselves that you had moments thinking, I wonder if I could do that, or I wish I could do that, or I wish I could be more open and share parts of my story. You know, I think there was a quiet whisper getting louder and building over the years. I spent three years, I guess it was five in the end, working on um, a film about my best friend and her husband who was a NFL football player who had ALS. And the amount of vulnerability that, it was like vulnerability on steroids. I mean, the, the level of intimacy and truthfulness of really hard things, like for her honesty about what it actually looks like to be a caregiver mm-hmm. and how exhausted and at times resentful and just, she really just opened up her heart. They both do. And and then I saw how it was of service to others. I actually, we watched the audience mm-hmm. as we screened the film. And so I think that's when the seed was really planted And then certainly in the podcast, it became clear to me that I was interviewing people who were really brave and sharing their stories of their own suffering. And I was, in fact, not sharing mine. Yeah. And and that's what's going to be my next question to say to you um, is I I wanted to know where that seed was planted. So thank you for sharing that because the you're right. Sometimes we see that amount of vulnerability in someone else. And it's like, oh, I would like I I feel right. Like when we see that in other people, it's because it is available in us. We just might not be there yet. And as you saw that and then you started your podcast, but you still hadn't openly shared yet. Is that correct? Correct. I had still not openly shared. And we came out of the gate with some incredible stories. Mm -hmm. Um, I interviewed Bob Woodruff, who I had worked with, um, who um, was a war correspondent who, you know, had been in a coma for 40 days and just people's darkest days, right? How they got through it. Like just what we said, the not the spread in the magazine about Bob Woodruff, you know, coming home and but the real dark days. So I was interviewing these people. They were sharing the deepest parts of themselves. They're sharing their darkest days. And, you know, my producer, Erica, said, 
at some point, you know, what do you think personally draws you to these stories? And it's like on a deeper level, I think we were working on something, a, a newsletter or something on the website and it just clicked like, A, this is why I'm drawn to understanding suffering um, on such a, you know, I'm a moth to, to a flame of these stories and these people and learning from them. So at that point, I decided I would share on the podcast. And I had one of my dear friends who's a journalist interview me and, you know, we hit publish and that was that. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Um, I love how that came together. And how was that episode received? Well, I mean, there's nothing like, you know, hitting publish, then dropping your kids off at school and like, oh shit, what did I just do? This thing I had, like, I used to go on girls trips and like hide the medication and like zip it in a side pocket because I was convinced that people would see why she on so many meds and they would like Google. I mean, you know, really the lengths I went to hide this. And then I am telling thousands of people. And as we said, I can't control how they experience this information. So I was terrified. Um, I was also had a ridiculous idea that somehow everyone had listened. I was like at the grocery store, like I was listened. Um, but the response was the exact opposite of what I had feared all those years, which is people would be repelled by that information that they would turn away and walk away or go away. And the amount of people that reached out, leaned in, um, it was just literally this flood of love and support. And all of a sudden I realized, you know, uh, your work in this podcast and talking so openly about your journey with your sons, you realize hiding it, you are not available to be of service to others. So in the sharing, all of a sudden I'm on the phone with moms or, you know, kids in college who've been newly diagnosed. And I'm like, all along I've been hiding and I could have been help. I could have been a resource and I could have been a story of hope because I have been able to live a meaningful life and have work I love and a family I love. So that was really interesting. Like, letting go of shame and secrecy and realizing that it can actually turn to like service to others. And that is a big shift. It's a massive shift. And I do not think that you can experience it until you've done something like that. And you're in a, in a space of just letting it go and putting it out there. Um, I've shared a couple of times, but I ended up um, being interviewed on our CBC radio. And so at that time I figured, I thought nobody knew what was happening, but that was so not true. And then I was like, that's okay. Cause nobody listens to CBC radio. And when I finished the radio interview, like I got out of the studio and turned on my phone and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> apparently a lot of people do listen. And it was interesting. Cause in that moment, the biggest things I was afraid of all of a sudden it was like, okay, well, everyone knows like everyone knows. And now it's, it's okay. And it's it just, it was almost freeing in a sense. And at the same time, 
it took a lot. Did you experience any like vulnerability hangover, any kind of like, wow, this is a lot? Or were you able to like shift right into service and feel like, no, this feels amazing? I am so glad you brought up the vulnerability hangover because I only learned about this phrase, (laughs) I don't know, a year ago, call it. It is such a real thing. Even today, when I speak and tell my story, um, there is something in the wake of that. It will be within hours. It'll be the next day where you just feel exposed, whether you're conscious of that or you're not. And feeling that exposed is can be really scary. I mean, as we said, you can't, you know, you're putting out, you know, showing this this side of yourself and it does feel very out of control. It feels very liberating um, and freeing, but it's it's complex and there's layers to, and some of them are really hard to sit with. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that because I know, again, I know that's going to resonate with somebody because I don't ever want to misdirect somebody and think that, leave a message that once you share, it's a piece of cake and it's easy because it's, no. No, it's not. It's not at all. And that piece on exposed, it's it's taken a long time for me to recognize like when I speak at something and I love doing it, but I've learned now that I need to block time afterwards because that's just, I, I just need to give myself time to recharge because I put it all out there, which I'm grateful for, but it's learning that no, that has to be the case because all of a sudden you start opening up dialogue where everybody wants to share their story. And, you know, that's part of what we're doing. That's exactly what part of what we're doing, but holding it all at once is not easy either. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very real thing. And once I was able to put language to it, it was really helpful because then I understood what was happening when I'm like, you know, why am I in bed eating cookies and then like crying? I just, you know, feel completely off. And, you know, yesterday I was able to, you know, stand and speak to hundreds of people. And once somebody gave me that language, like, oh, no, no, this is just what happened. This is part of the process. I'm like, oh, now it makes sense. Yeah. So, you're normal. You're normal. And it's, yeah. it is, it's good. It, this is good language to have. As you're doing this, I think there's also a piece that is this to go from hiding for so many years to then being in a space of receiving a lot of support yeah. is also a very big shift because I'm yeah. going to, I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say most women are not great at receiving anyways. Yes. Like typically. Mm -hmm. And then, but to go from hiding to now receiving a lot of different support is probably also a lot to, to juggle in the difference. Yeah. I think that's absolutely true. And I think a very fair representation that women have, we're so busy, right? Supporting other people. So yeah, I think there is um, a lot of truth to that. And I, you know, I don't know if it was nature or nurture, but I have this piece of me, which is very much, I can do it by myself. I can get it. I don't know if it's stubborn or independent, but the idea of handing it over to someone else is I, I, I so against my natural wiring. And when you can do it, it's really this release, right? Mm-hmm. And trust. 
Yeah, 100%. And I just I just want to share that because I think that anybody who's listening, like you can change anything at any age. It's not, I mean, just because that's how you've always done it doesn't mean that's how you have to continue. 100%. Yes. The idea, it's how much I have changed, even just in the last five years, it is incredible and so empowering to know that change is truly possible in our lives. I mean, things about myself and about my relationships that I would have never in a million years imagined. And it's all possible. I mean, it's, it's so interesting. Mm -hmm. I, yes, I, I completely agree. So as you go from this space of sharing and you're now opening up this door so that people can hear and know your story, does that change how you now connect with some of the people that you get to interview? Does that change how you show up? Does that just curious what feels different now in your role in podcasting and interviewing people compared to before? Yeah, you know, some of the best doctors have been patients themselves, so they understand bedside manner and what comforted them, what was helpful to them, what was not. I believe in my experience of walking the same path that I am asking them to trust me to go on, I can show up with, A, just a deeper understanding of what that process, all the things we talked about, like how complex it is. And I can show up with, you know, more compassion and more empathy. Yeah. And, and, and I can you know, kind of help shepherd them a bit. But I interviewed Maylee Chapin. She has a book called Terrorist Attack Girl. She was working for um, Google and was in at the heart of this terrorist attack, which she survived. But her story was much about, you know, a, a lot about coming home and PTSD. And she's so bright and articulate. And she was just amazing through this entire interview. And then, you know, we turned off, you know, and we're just chatting at the end. And she's like, now I have to go cry and eat my feelings. And I was like, you know what I mean? Like you just said, you you understand all of the nuance of what it is to truly share yourself and open up in that way. And I think it makes you better at what you do. Mm -hmm. I think it makes you better at what you do. And it helps you to connect with more and more people. Yeah, I love it. As you're sharing this, you've already said it, um, service to others. And um, one of the words that always lands for me is this like piece on like servant leadership that you're able to serve and support others because you have walked this and you're openly sharing it. Um, how much of service is a big part of your ethos and what you do? And and I already know the answer to this, but I want you to share it. Um, but how much is the like service and ethos to you, your business, your podcast, and everything that you do? It is at the core. It is fundamental to everything we do. So the way in which we share stories, the way in which we thoughtfully produce and bring them out into the world is with such deep intention to how they can be of service in the world. If somebody is going to trust me, trust our team with their story, it is our job and our commitment to make sure it is of service to others. And that is beyond, you know, the stories we tell are deeply entertaining. Um, but at the heart of it, they are 
educating people. They are inspiring people. They are allowing people to feel less alone. And we so carefully make sure that that is woven through and the strongest heartbeat of anything we share. We also have this model one-to-one where for each episode, we support a charity aligned with what we're talking about, um, which has been really meaningful. And so, yeah, we service is a big, big part of what we do. Yeah, I could tell. I listened to a couple episodes, but it really hit me when it was like you are supporting a charity with each episode. And that is just contribution is such a, um, it's such a big word, feeling, emotion, doing whatever way you want to call it. Um, But when you're stuck in a really difficult story, I'll tell you, it can shift a whole lot of things when you can find a way to help somebody else out, to make it about somebody else, to show up and be of service to somebody else. It's Whenever I find myself stuck, I will stop and like, wait, are you making this about you? I'm like, (laughs) crap, you are making it about you. Because it's in this, like, that's just the check that sometimes that has to change. And, and sometimes that's all it is. But I, I love how that piece of service is so huge in what you're doing. You know, I was working on a film, a documentary, and we were about to you know, release it. And I was having all of this anxiety for sure driven by ego about how's it going to do and are we going to get reviews and, you know, all of these different things. And one of the consultants we were working with on the film, she's like, I want you to close your eyes. And she said, may the film find the people who need it the most. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, that is all that matters. Mm-hmm. And it's going to go out into the world. And what you and I do, it's this leap of faith to some extent, because we don't know who's listening or where they're listening or when they're going to listen. But this belief that it will find the people who need it most, it just has stayed with me. Um, It was, yeah, just a really powerful message that, you know, I still live and work with, you know, that today is a driving force. Yeah, I love this. And I hope this is permission for anybody who's listening to like, just finding a way to get out of your own way, because it really can, like when you can make that vision about somebody else, sometimes I'll get the most bizarre downloads of like, you need to share that post, you need to share that content, you have to record that episode. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. Because it's just, I've learned to just follow it. And then all of a sudden I'll get a message from a total stranger who is like, that was a hundred percent for me today. And I'm like, yep, I knew it's for somebody like it's for somebody and it will land. That also takes us out of the whole thought process of the metrics and the the yes. like the numbers and the the stuff that doesn't mean anything. Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you have I want to just ask you this question. If you could go back and tell your younger self and maybe your younger self is somebody who is listening to this right now and is like, oh my God, that is my story trapped in this space that I don't want to feel this way, but I don't have a clue how to show up and share. I don't have a platform. I don't have a podcast, but I don't want to feel this way anymore. What would the message be? You know, I think the act of sharing yourself and especially the parts of yourself where you have shame and secrecy, it 
it doesn't have to be in this big public arena. It doesn't have to be on a podcast or an Instagram post or a Facebook post. It can be, you know, Brene Brown always says, share it with someone who's earned the right to to hear it and to support you. So that can be your cousin who you love deeply. That can be, you know, your best friend on a walk. So I think for many people knowing yourself and and for some people, they're writers and they have a platform and sharing that voice makes all the sense in the world to share too. Um, but I think even just sharing with one person or frankly, even just admitting it to yourself, sharing, writing it down. Um, I don't know if I would have been able to articulate the weight of my hiding for many years. You know, I was just like, I'm I'm keeping this a secret, but I would not have been able to, you know, articulate what was happening um, throughout that process emotionally and psychologically. So even just telling yourself the truth of who you are and then finding a person who's earned the right, who you deeply trust, I think is enough, frankly. It's more than enough. And I love that Brene Brown's name made it on this episode, even though I didn't bring it up because I tend to, her name comes up a lot in this kind of work and it's, and it does. So I love that you did it. And this permission piece that it doesn't have to be a big stage, a big platform, a big um, audience, because sometimes I'll get messages and people will say, but I don't want to do it big like that. I don't want to be in a stage. And I'm like, you don't have to, but if your story is defining you and stopping you from living the life that you're meant to live, then you owe it to yourself to find a way to release the hold of that story. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what's next for you? The show is continuing to grow, obviously, and doing more. What do you see coming up in your future? Well, we are launching a membership this week. So that's exciting. So we're launching a membership community and we're going to have more content and Zooms and video and all sorts of fun things. People are going to be able to drop in and watch a recording live. So I'm excited about that, just being more dynamic in how we tell stories and how we share them. And I think we're going to do our first live event in the fall, and I've been doing more speaking and more writing. So, you know, with COVID, um, all of the things I just described were significantly harder. So I think... um, being able to create new and different ways and build community is something we're really focused on and deeply excited about. Hmm, I love that. I can't wait to hear and learn more. And I just think that especially coming out of these last three years, community is something people are craving. Like they're just craving more and more. Yeah. 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 We need other humans. We need to be in connection with them. We all learned that. <laughs> we did learn that. And I think that's the the one thing that, you know, as Brene Brown says, like the number one thing we all crave is connection. Yeah. We just want to find another way to get there besides vulnerability. And that's the only way that we can get there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. So where can people connect, follow, learn more about you? Yeah. So the best place 
is allthewiserpodcast.com or kimmyculp.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at allthewiserpodcast. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And I'll make sure everything's in the show notes. Again, um, I have a whole list of podcasts I listen to, but after listening to a couple of years, I'm like, yep, there we go. I got one another one to add into it because I just, I find it really empowering to see more and more people standing in a space of sharing a difficult story and knowing it can serve a much bigger purpose. Yeah. I mean, my guest, yours too, they're heroes. You know, they are so, so brave and strong for the benefit of others, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so grateful that our paths have crossed is there anything else you want to share with the audience that maybe I didn't ask you or that you know you want to share? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I just did an interview with a death doula, and I didn't know death doulas were a thing until I did this interview. So she's walked beside hundreds of people at the end of their lives. She calls them the wisdom keepers. But I'm going to share what she shared on the podcast. I said, if there was one takeaway um, that all these people look back on their life, what would it be for those of us um, who are living, you know, our lives? And she said, it's very simple, which is to pause. And myself, and I think all of us have so much coming at us and we're so busy with technology and life. And so the notion of pausing and slowing down is really something I am deeply committing to after that conversation. And I hope that lands with some people who are listening. Well, I can tell you it landed with me. That was definitely something because pausing was something I never gave myself permission to do. And it's, I think that sometimes if we don't give ourselves time to pause and recharge or just pause that our body will make us pause at times. Our body will say like, okay, we're done. This is what we're doing here because we have to give ourselves that time. And what a beautiful piece of um, advice to share. So thank you for that. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, my absolute pleasure. I have one last question for you. And it is what lesson in life are you most grateful for? What lesson in life am I most grateful for? My dad told me many years ago that every now and then you need to zoom out and hover above from 30,000 feet and look down at the truth of your life. And that has served me so well over the years. Um, You know, some of these times we talked about where I was, you know, I looked down at my life and I was, you know, working 50 or 60 hours and wasn't home, not making it. I saw my kids in bed and me on the other side of town. And so I just have loved that advice. And, you know, whenever I do it, it's really helpful. Mm, thank you so much for sharing. Honestly, I have loved everything about this conversation and I cannot wait to follow more of your work and what you're doing. So thank you so much for being here today, Kimmy. Likewise. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. 
If you love this episode, I invite you to tag me on social media with your takeaways or share it with a friend. Please, if you feel called, take 30 seconds to leave a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. Until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life. Mm -hmm.